the breath of fresh air that I've got in life now, the peace that I have, and that's something that I never had before. I was always just on edge and anxious and fearful. I don't live life in fear anymore. You know, now I know that no matter what happens and no matter what comes, I'm going to be okay. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. On this episode, we feature stories from The Next Door, a nonprofit, faith-based organization that helps women who are coming out of incarceration return to society and provides resources and treatments so they can successfully transition back to life outside of prison. During this episode, we'll hear the stories of three women who came to The Next Door after trauma and pain led them into a life of addiction, Lauren, Asia, and Natalie. They share how they received help for their emotional issues and their addictions through the Next Door's programs, but most importantly, how they learned how much they are loved by others and by God. So I'm Lauren Norris. I was born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, Grew up, we moved to the South quickly after, I think I was like nine months old. Um, My mom's family is from Alabama, so we moved to Nashville when I was four. I have a little brother and little sister with my mom and her husband. Um, He basically raised me. I mean, that's the only dad that I knew growing up. Basically, when I was real little, um, the family dynamics changed when my sister was born. Um, Obviously, whenever you have a stepchild, things just are different whenever, you know, he had his little girl. Um, So there was definitely a definite shift when I was eight. So through school, I danced, um, loved that as a kid, and didn't have like made straight A's, didn't really ever get in trouble, definitely wasn't experimenting with anything at that age. Um, My mom's husband and I, after the birth of my sister, things were always um, rocky and very uncomfortable. So at 18, they... Um, that's kind of where things shifted for me. Um, he felt like I wasn't his, so his job was done. Um, and basically gave my mom the ultimatum that, you know, he felt like I was being disrespectful and that I needed to go. Um, so that's kind of where it landed you know my mom just basically made a phone call to me at 7:30 in the morning and said you know you need to be here at three to pick up your things and that was the end of life as I knew it I had turned 18 January 8th and this happened on Good Friday <laughs> so the Friday before Easter so when everything kind of went down um I was pretty much like ostracized and part of that was myself like I was just so um, embarrassed and in shock and um, didn't really know who to trust at that point Um, so I didn't like the people that had been a part of my life for as long as I've lived in you know Tennessee I just kind of ran from Um, I'm definitely a runner. That's how I coped in life was running. You know, I was just helpless and broken, like so broken. And so I started looking for relationships and, you know, thought I had found like 
Mr. Wonderful, very young. Um, and we were actually together when everything went down with my family. And so I held on to that and held on to that. And um, whenever that ended, then I kind of went in the opposite direction. And that's kind of been the thing. For me, it's one extreme or the other during those parts of my life. I went through another bad breakup. And within a week, my now ex-boyfriend was being put in jail for kidnapping and domestic battery on me. My little sister died of an overdose. Um, and I found out I was pregnant like five weeks later. And so it was just bam, bam, bam. He was born early. Um, but was perfectly fine, very healthy, beautiful little boy. Um, yeah, and so when he was a year old, he had a febrile seizure, um, which is something that runs in our family. I had them, my cousin's kids have them. He had the flu and rhinovirus. And a situation unfolded at the hospital that, um, I basically was told I either let him leave with my mom, my mom, who I have no very limited relationship with at this point because she had only come back around since he was born and very strained, or I may never see him again. <clears throat> so I let him go home with my mom, you know, with all these hopes of things are gonna be different. You know, like she's kind of come around since he was born, like I've grown up. That is not what happened. And that ended up being kind of my straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and I just started using, and at that point it was, I've never been suicidal, ever. You know, I haven't, the only mental health stuff I've ever struggled with is PTSD and anxiety. Um, but it got to the point that right before I relapsed, I, you know, I was having these suicidal thoughts. I was having this, like, I don't need to be here. Um, and a lot of that stemmed from not having my son. And like, why am I even here? I sent a message to my boyfriend at the time. Um, the drugs were my solution. Like they truly were my escape and how I coped and was able to just not even live life but keep existing and just said you know I know exactly what I need to go get exactly what I need to do like I don't need to be here anymore and that scared him um it scared me the next morning that I had even sent it but that relapse truly saved my life because if I wouldn't have picked up and used I couldn't handle the pain that my life was. Um, so my relapse numbed me out enough to get me to the next door to get a different answer. The next door has completely changed my life. I had to find me again, and I think in all those years of running, like I had run for myself, and I didn't even know who I was. Like I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, it was just empty like everything was so empty but so like there's a difference in guilt and shame um and like guilt is I feel bad for something I've done but shame is I feel bad because of who I am the big prayer of my life had always been like 
but I wanted to feel God's love. Like I wanted to just experience that. Um, I never felt like I did. And so now that I'm a little further removed from the trauma, like God saved me over and over and over. But now it's just, it's mesmerizing to me the things that can happen whenever we start showing up for ourselves. You know, because God really shows up when we get out of the way and let him. And so that's kind of been what life has been in the last almost eight months is, you know, who does who do I need myself to be? You know, what kind of mom do I want to give my kids? And what is God calling me to be? And what is God opening doors for me? And it's changed everything, you know, like just surrendering to that and knowing And I blamed God for a lot of things. And I think that was the big thing. Like my prayer to always feel God's love, I couldn't feel it because I was still so angry. And to get to the place where I could say like, God, I'm angry with you. Like, you know, I've attached all these things that humans, people have chosen to do and I've blamed you for it. And I've thought you did it. That was a big lie that I had to break. And I had to let go of, you know, I may never have my family back the way that, you know, I think it should be. And today I can finally say I'm okay with that. You know, um, God just keeps showing up and bringing me other people and new family. And like, I have no family support now. So as of right now, there's not been restoration to that relationship. That doesn't mean that it won't come. Um, That's definitely one of my biggest prayers is that one day it looks different. Um, but it's definitely given me a huge appreciation for family and my new family now. My life is so covered in grace. (laughs) And like, I tell people all the time, like, if you want to see like what God can do in the redemption, just like meet my daughter, you know, like ask me because I didn't even see it while it was unfolding. Mia was not planned, but she was definitely very wanted. I have never believed in abortion, um, and I tried to force myself to go through with that. At that point in life, it was like, I don't even have my son back home yet. How can I bring another one into the world? You know, what is my mom going to think? That was the big thing. What's my mom going to say if I have to walk into court pregnant, fighting for my son? Um, and God really has a sense of humor because um, while all this was going on in my life, um, there was no physical way to get one done in Nashville anyway. <laughs> while I was trying to force myself to make this decision. Um, And I'll never forget a friend who is not very religious and not spiritual hitting. I was asleep on the couch at her house and she hit me in the leg and she said, there's your sign. God said you're having this baby. And it just like, I don't think she even knew what she was saying, but it went straight to my heart. Um, So of course at that point I've relapsed and I'm, you know, pregnant and don't know what to do. Um, So finally, you know, when I just got miserable enough 
and things kept getting more and more out of control. I came to the only place that I knew to come and I just showed up on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day at the next door um, and just said I need help. And so they took me in. Um, and I'll never forget walking in this building and just taking the biggest deep breath because it was like coming home again. Um, and that was something that I hadn't had. You know, I didn't have a home. Um, and that's what they've become for me. And after my interview, they walked me into a two-bedroom apartment. And the most mind-boggling part for me was there was a crib in the second bedroom. And I just hit my knees and God was like, I told you, just wait. <laughs> and he just keeps doing that for me. Whenever I finally stop trying to save myself and let him save me, he does it so much bigger than I could have ever done for myself. We moved in on Friday. I jokingly said, okay, well, she can come now. You know, we have a home. She saved my life, but the next door saved hers and gave me the ability to be her mother in the way that she deserves. She's changed everything about my life. I see so much more of God's grace. Um, I had so much fear, you know, that I was gonna have her and that like DCS was gonna show up and they were gonna take my baby and they, you know, like I could have done all this work and it could have not even mattered. God has blessed me so much and honored the hard work that I've done and more the surrender. Because for me, it's just, I've just gotten out of my own way. And I've had to learn to listen to that soft voice that sometimes is that intuition and sometimes, you know, it's somebody else. And that's a big thing Jesus Calling has given to me, you know. Um, that's something that anytime I'm having a bad day, like, that's just what I go to. Um, in treatment, that's, they give us all one. And so that was the book that I started using to start, you know, reinserting quiet time with God in my life. And so when it started, it was just really small. You know, it was just reading that. That's all I had. I had that in the Bible. I think now a lot of my hope comes from the fact that I know I can do it. I want to give her so much more than I had. And for God to basically say, this is your little girl, and I still trust you to be a mother, was enough to just breathe so much life back into me. <laughs> because Mia was not a mistake, not at all. But to be able to look at another pregnant girl who's come to treatment and who's covered in shame, you have no idea what you'll do until you're in the groups of this. So to see my story and my pain and my experience help another mother blows my mind. And it makes it feel like it's not in vain. It makes it feel like, you know, yeah, it was really hard. But because it was so hard, it helped someone else. And it qualifies me to speak life into other women. That to me is all the hope I need. It really helped me to see that like, 
the women at the next door, like, they really do. Like, they are rooting for you, and they do want to see us succeed. And that's, you know, really awesome. It's amazing to walk back through the door with the baby and say, you know, we're still here. Like, I still have her. We're still doing this thing. And I can still come here anytime, you know, if I just need to talk or I need a hug or, like, I really do have a family again. Stay with us as we share another inspiring personal story of restoration from the next door after this message about how you can connect with other people in the Jesus Calling community through a weekly prayer call. Did you know that Sarah Young, the author of Jesus Calling, prays for her readers each day? In that spirit, we want to extend the Jesus Calling prayer community out to you in a more personal way. Each Tuesday morning, you can dial into the Jesus Calling Weekly Prayer Call, where the team from Jesus Calling and special guests will minister to us during a 10-minute call to reflect on that day's passage from Jesus Calling, read scripture references, and pray together for each other and our world. Prayer call times are 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central, 6 a.m. Mountain, and 5 a.m. Pacific, and are for U.S. only. For more information on the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call or to submit prayer requests, please visit jesuscalling.com slash prayer dash call. Again, to join us in this community of prayer every Tuesday morning, please visit jesuscalling.com slash prayer dash call. My name is Asia Tate. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised here. But as all children grow up and go our own ways, I I did go my own way. Even though I came up in the church, I strayed away from the church. And um, I allowed older people to influence my decisions and that I made in life. And I began to live the life of a drug addict and an alcoholic, which that led me to being homeless. It led me to being hungry. And I strayed away from my family. I didn't want to see my family, so I isolated. I realized that it was a problem for me when my family had put a missing person report out on me because I didn't want to be found. But they found me anyways because they are just, they are my family, you know. And looking back i just know that they really care about me and even in them finding me i still didn't choose to go with them because once they did find me i was 18 years old and um i I had a choice then to go with my family or continue down the road that i was on and i chose to continue down the road of drugs and alcohol when i was living on the streets it was uh it was really hard day to day um, I didn't have a regular restroom. I didn't have a bed to sleep in, so I slept in the back of a van in Walgreens parking lot. And then eventually I got tired, and I knew that this is this was not how I was brought up. I have no business on these streets because I began to see how other women were being treated and held hostage. And, you know, just men were just taking and using them for their bodies and things. So I knew in my mind that I did not want to become that woman. The first time that I realized that I had a problem and I knew that it couldn't continue was when um, I was driving back um, down the highway and I hadn't slept in about five days. And I ran off the side of a cliff 
And when I ran off the side of the cliff and crashed the car, I ended up finding out I was pregnant with my first child. And that child was an absolute angel to me. She saved, she, she saved my life. Um, I actually went back home to live with my mother for a while. And then I applied for my own place to live. And once I applied for that place to live, I've been there ever since for 11 years now because I knew how it felt to be homeless and hungry. And if it was up to me, my child is not gonna be homeless nor hungry. I had suffered some loss. I suffered the loss of my brother. And he was, he's a, a very big part of my life. He was and he is a very big part of my life. And once I lost my brother, I had turned back to drugs, so I lasted about a month out of rehab, and then I was back drinking and using drugs because that was the only way that I knew how to cope with the pain. And when you cry for months at a time, and then you see your mother's tears, and you can't do nothing to help it or stop the pain, all I knew was to drink and drug. It got to the point where I couldn't even stop myself from using and I was carrying a baby. That's how serious it was. And um, that's what, that's a lot of what led me to the next door because I have a child, my son was born with drugs in his system. So, you know, that, uh, that caused for the state to get involved in my life, in mine and my children's lives. So once my kids were removed from me, I had an option of going into rehab. And the next door was the first place that we called. And the next door, we did an application and then they accepted me. Now when I first came to the next door, I walked away. But I came back three days later and they, and they, they brought me in, they welcomed me in and they rushed me through the process. I don't know if they were afraid that I was gonna leave again, but they rushed me through the intake. And I'm so grateful that they took me in. Cause I came that morning, bags packed. I didn't know if they were gonna turn me away or if they were gonna accept me. And they told me to come on in. When I came to the next door, I found a greater relationship with God. And I felt him in this building. And the first day that I came to the next door, they were like, you don't have to attend the meetings, you can rest, and all these things. But something inside of me just kept saying, go to the meeting, go to the meeting. And I sat there, but it just, my feet wouldn't stay still, so I got up and I went to the meeting. And when I got into that meeting, it was a lady speaking about how her family had to raise her children because she chose to use the drugs. So her kids have been taken by the state and given to her family. And I was like, wow, this is my situation. My kids have been taken from me and I don't want my family to have to raise my children. I don't want my, my, my kids to have to go into the system and be moved around or separated and God knows what happened to them. So when I, when I heard what she said, that let me know that I am not alone. I am not the only woman 
that is going through this. And it's a community of us that are able to help one another get through our situations. So I, um, I began to change in the next door about the third day here. About the third day here, being in group, and I like hearing the, we would read the Jesus Calling at the beginning of group. And every day that we would read the Jesus Calling, it would just fall right in line with what was going on in my life. And today it's still falling in line with what is going on in my life. Like in the middle of my struggles, I know he's there. While he's strengthening me, I know he's here with me. This passage is from August 21st. And it says, wait with me for a while. I have much to tell you. You are walking along a path I have chosen from you. Do not worry about what other people think of you. The work I am doing in you is hidden at first, but eventually blossoms will burst forth and abundant fruit will be born. Stay on the path of life with me. Trust me wholeheartedly, letting my spirit fill you with joy and peace. I was really hurt. Um, I missed my children the entire time that I was in treatment. You know, I've never been separated from my children, so to be separated from them was a great deal to me. But I had to realize that coming through the next door, they're gonna get a better mother. They're gonna get a better part of me, you know. And um, my relationship with my family, my mother and my father is better than ever. I love my mother so much, and I know she never gave up on me, and I know that they pray for me every night. It's no doubt in my mind that they do not pray for me because I am here today. And I'm just grateful to my mother and my father that are here with me, who stand behind me with everything that I do. I just want to be able to just inspire young children that they have options and that they don't have to go down the routes that are what they think are already paid for us. There are other options. There are other ways out of the lifestyle that what we see growing up. So I just want to be able to just be a voice for the children, for the community. I mean, even if an adult wants to change, I just pray that I'm, I'm able to just reach out and touch them or, or they hear my voice and, and know that there is hope. If I could give someone just a little bit of hope, I would let them know that they are not alone in this situation. It is a community of us that are willing to love on you and help you and pray for you. Hold your hand whatever you need, and that you know that there is a God and He is real. And all you have to do is just hold on to His hand and He will do the rest. Hold on to Him and He will lead you where you need to go. We're wrapping up our stories from the next door by talking with Natalie, a graduate of the next door who now works there as a certified peer recovery specialist and is helping women like herself who struggle with addiction and despair by showing them that God has a plan for their lives no matter how hopeless they may feel. She talks about how Jesus Calling helped her realize this truth for her own life. My name is Natalie, and this is my second day at the next door. As an employee, it really kind of just overwhelms me when I think about what Jesus Calling means to me. Um, I came to the next door 
um, twice. And uh, this second, the first time uh, I was doing well and then was diagnosed with breast cancer. Through the whole process and chemo, mastectomy, um, I was on medication and then relapsed. Um, so I found myself back here the second time. And if it weren't for the next door and introducing Jesus Calling, um, I, I wouldn't know what this was all about. So I started reading it, and uh, I, I had lost 13 people in 2017 alone to drug overdose. Um, and so I was already in a really bad place when I got here. I was very angry with God. And even though I knew um, about God for ever since I was little, because um, I come from a church background, but I was very angry with him and, and really did not want anything to do with him. I didn't know what that relationship was really about. Um, and so I, I really got to a place where I just wanted to give up. And if there was a God, wherever he was at, I was, I, I needed him to know how angry I was. Um, so as I read Jesus Calling and it started to get a little easier to understand some things in my life, um, after losing all these people, I began to shut down. Um, and not only did I shut down, I wanted to give up. Um, I had never had more than 90, day cl 90 days clean within 20-something years. Um, and at this point, I had made it so far, I felt like, um, and then losing more people, I just didn't understand. And then on March 31st um, of 2018, I read what it said. It's hard for me. It says, taste and see that I am good. The more intimately you experience me, the more convinced you become of my goodness. I am the living one who sees you and longs to participate in your life. I am training you, which is very profound to me, because I really started to resonate that everything that I was going through in this life, there was a purpose for. So... It says, I'm training you to find me in each moment and to be a channel of my loving presence. This is when I started to realize that there was a bigger purpose for, for me, not only um, to help others, but to share my story. And so then it, it talks about sometimes my blessings come to you in mysterious ways through pain and trouble. At such times, you can know my goodness only through your trust in me. And then this is what got me. It says, understanding will fail you, but trust will keep you close to me. And it goes on to talk about peace, and which I needed so much of. Um, he talks about, I also speak peace to you, for I know your anxious thoughts. So I, again, I'm, I'm seeing by reading this and, and taking this in, that God knew exactly where I was at when I um, was going through all these things. And not only did he know where I was at, he was willing to meet me where I was at and give me the peace that I so needed. Um, 
that day is when I decided to turn my life around. So um, from that day forward, I picked this book up every day. Not only did I read it every day, I got into a habit where I would start to see the scriptures. And then I would start to look those scriptures up. And then I started uh, becoming a sponge and being able to learn not only what what I felt like he was talking to me on a daily basis at this point, because every day I'm reading something and it feels like it's exactly, this is so odd, but it feels like exactly what it, what I'm supposed to be hearing from him. And then I, and I, I even thought that sometimes maybe I need to give this book to somebody else to see if they're reading the same thing that I'm reading, because it was so profound in how things just unraveled for me on a daily basis. I tell you what, I I never knew that I could that I could do something productive in this life. As a matter of fact, I thought I was gonna die a drug addict. Um, and to know that not only he did not give up on me, but that he had a purpose for me, um, that Jesus was calling me to um, be something so much greater in this life. And I have found that oh, not only does he love broken people, but he loves broken people that can help broken people. And um, it's given me a purpose. This book has really given me a purpose because if I had not picked this book up on that day and allowed him to speak to me in ways that no one else could, um, I don't think I'd be sitting here today, and I know I wouldn't be working um, as a certified peer recovery specialist in which I can help other girls do the same thing I did. And I really just want to be able to convey that we all have something deep down inside of us that is that, that we all have something that we can tap into that, that God has a plan for all of us. Some of us don't understand that. Some of us can't see that. Some of us are so broken that we don't even know that exists. But I remember back to how broken I was when I got here. And I know what it took for me to get where I'm at today. And I just want these ladies to understand that it's possible. That it's not just me or one other person or a few that make it. We can all make it. In, in his light, in his love, in his, his guidance, and in his understanding, his compassion. Every one of us can do exactly what we need to do through him. And I just, I want to convey that message more than anything in this world, that, that if I can do it, you can do it. To find out more about how you can help a woman who is facing life after incarceration or maybe dealing with addiction, visit thenextdoor.org for opportunities to volunteer or donate. If you'd like to hear more inspiring stories about women who have restored their lives through finding a relationship with God, check out our interviews with other graduates of The Next Door, Janie and Tammy. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we'll speak with Centoya Brown, a young woman who shares the redemptive story about how she changed her life for the better while in prison, finding hope through faith after a traumatic adolescence of drug addiction, rape, and sex trafficking led to a murder conviction. It was not until I came back to God. And when I sat down and I just let him take over, that's when I was free. And I don't think 
that God gives us testimonies for us to just sit on them. And then, you know, there's that thing about me making that promise to him that if you do free me, then I will tell the world about you. And so I'm going to keep to my word because um, I think it's important. I think it's necessary. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on JesusCalling.com slash video.